Northwest Arkansas, welcome to another episode of the Hey to the Hey to the NWA. This week, we had Raj Suresh, who is a comedian in the area that's starting a lot of big stuff. I met Raj at a Butcher and Pint comedy night. Our friend Elise um, knew him from somewhere else, wherever. Um, But I met him at a performance he did at Bentonville Butcher and Pint. And I got to talk to talking to him about this comedy club that they're opening up in Rogers. It's open now, um, kind of a restaurant turned comedy club called the Grove and it's on West Pleasant Plains. Yeah. It's the, it's the Pleasant Grove exit. Pleasant Grove. Pleasant where that Grove. Walmart is. Yeah. So got to sit down and talk to him for a little bit and then we set up this interview and had a little longer time to talk about what was going on in Northwest Arkansas with comedians and creating a space for comedians to hone their craft. Yeah. And the interesting part of this interview is we were actually able to have this interview in the Grove. Um, and yeah, the space is, you know, super conducive to comedy. Now I, I, he says it in the interview, but you know, that stage went up in a month, um, because he collaborated with the owner and the owner was pumped about it. And so they wanted to make that comedy club. So He's, like I said before, he's making big waves. He's making big moves. He talks a lot about not just, you know, not just passively doing what you do, but also working hard as a comedian, which a lot of people, I think, overlook. I mean, I overlooked it whenever, before we actually got to talk to him. Right. Yeah, I didn't think that um, there's so much logistics, (laughs) I guess, involved in comedy. So with that... Let's get this interview rolling. Started rolling, rolling. Swear warning. Okay, it's, this is with a comedian, so I don't know what you really expect. There's there's going to be swears. I'm really sorry. Unless you're following, you know, what's his name? Brian Regan? Yeah, he's like, a comedian. Yeah, he's like a, one of those safe comedians. Jim Gaffigan. Jim, oh, Jim Gaffigan doesn't swear. I didn't even think about that. Jeff Dunham with the puppets. I have no idea who that is. Is that I a know. swear boy? You have no idea. You don't even know who that is. <laughs> no, I really don't. And, oh. Well, but the thing about uh, Jim Gaffigan is that I had his thing on cake, like his like minutes thing on cake, and it was on my iPod Nano. My Nano could only fit so many songs, and so... It was one of 140 songs that I just played over and over and over again. This one this joke. This one, <laughs> like, minute and 50 second comedy bit. So I could, like, recite it bit for bit. It's really, like, really sad. But I'm not going to do that here. <laughs> because this is not my comedy show. And then we get sued and stuff. You this know? is hardly a comedy show anyway. This is definitely <laughs> not a comedy Unless the listeners think we're hilarious. Um, I'm flattered, but I don't think we think so. I think I'm funny. Well, Zach thinks he's funny. So with that, I think we're going to get started. (laughs) Enjoy the interview. Hey, Northwest Arkansas. Uh, Welcome back to another episode of Hey, Hey, NWA. We're currently sitting in the Grove in Rogers, Arkansas with 
Raj Suresh. Hey. Yeah, hey. that's how you say it. Good but, deal. Well, it's not, but that's how America no, says no, it. No, go for it. Correct us. Ha, yeah, have at it. I want to learn. You, India says it's Suresh. Suresh? Like the, the, the E is like a like an E from Beyonce. Oh, but America like says that. Suresh because I really they, like that. they confuse everything. So I've I mean, just left it that way. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. It's for my stage persona. Mm. Okay. We're different people. Okay. Well, We're, I mean, you brought up Beyonce, like Sasha Fierce. You got a stage persona in herself, so I yeah, you can have one. I have an alter ego. Very good. Well, uh, Raj, if you want to take the opportunity to introduce yourself to us, tell us exactly what you do. And uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I'm uh, I'm Raj. I'm Indian. Uh, I tell jokes. I drink beer. I like redheads. Is that a good intro? I don't know. I like Coldplay. Ex- Am I just perfect. saying embarrassing things? Yeah, no. I think I that's have a big nose. That's how intros. That's th- that's me in a nutshell. If you come watch me live, it's probably going to be one of those things is going to show up on stage. A redhead, redhead will show up on stage. Maybe this happened before. For real? Yeah, I've asked. I've invited them up. Okay, and then they're there. Very good. <laughs> Just standing there. You know, redheads have a higher tolerance for pain than other people. I've heard this, and uh, I did not take know more this. anesthetic, huh? And burn easier in the sun. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, the burn. Yeah, and then and also they don't have souls. <laughs> <laughs> that's not yeah. real. Uh, that's uh, no I take ha- that back. No one has souls. No, no nobody. <laughs> no, no. That's the catch. That's nobody the truth. Does. But yeah, so uh, I'm a comedian. I live up here in, in sort of like the Bentonville Rogers area. Who knows where that begins and ends? It's all one. Right? Yeah. It's a mess. Um, and I'm just your your local Indian guy. There's a lot of us, so I'm the one that tells jokes if you're trying to identify okay, me. Okay, you're the, mm. the funny guy. Yes. The funny Indian I'm the only. I think I'm like the only Indian comedian maybe, definitely in this area, maybe in the state. Wow. That's, yeah. That is a claim to fame. For one point, whatever, th- four billion people, Indian people there are on earth, I feel like there should be more of us everywhere all the time. Not yeah. Not, evidently not in Arkansas. But no. hey, it's disproportionate. So you're you're like the king of the land mm, to like some here. degree. Yeah. yeah. You should exercise that a little bit more. Yeah. I'm happy with it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, thank you guys for coming to the Grove. I hope you've enjoyed uh waiting for me as I showed up 6 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> you're totally fine. No. We were just inhaling some Big Rub tacos before you got here. Oh so. man, Big Rub Big Rub what a great guy. Jordan Poole and I are working on a hot sauce together. No way. Yeah. Like, I was supposed to take five weeks off stage and go work on a hot sauce and just enjoy life a little bit. And then I get a call and it's like, hey, do you want to help us, uh, like, you know, figure out, like, how to launch a comedy club? Like, what the hell? Like, that's what The Grove is. Uh It's um, literally got a call one day from a guy going, all my friends tell me, like, I should talk to you about comedy and setting up shows or whatever. So I'm like, sure. And he's like, um, well, I'm trying to demo out this idea of a of a comedy club and see if Northwest Arkansas is ready. And there's you know comedy clubs around the country are dying, and so we've got to figure out how to you know break the business model and change it up. And all of those things sound interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So immediately I was like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think twice. Well, what? it sounds like it sounds like such a risk because like you just said, like no, there's nothing there's nothing really risky about it. I mean, you could as unless you consider like massive volumes of money vanishing into thin air, risky. <laughs> That's other than that, there's nothing really inherently risky. Honestly, hmm. I think the risk would have been to not take the shot. Hmm. For in my perspective, because what I do for the Grove is to figure out what talent should be here, who should be on stage, um, and then uh, tweaks here and there. Like I kind of came in as the as the John Taffer of com- of Arkansas comedy, <laughs> which is, that's such a terrible credit. But <laughs> that's what I came in here to do when I had some ideas about the business model of the comedy club. Um, I've been running indie shows 
which like little independent shows at like really odd rooms. So like I've done like a butchery, a seafood place, um, an Italian olive oil wine bar. Excellent. Um, so just working out of those holes for sort of like, and they're not holes. What I mean is like they're just very odd pockets to put a comedy show into. Mm-hmm. Working out of those environments for like two, three years will give you a good idea of what you think works and doesn't. Mm. And it is a, it is a brutal, steep learning curve that I think beats people up. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with it. So what was the model in which mm. was dying in other places? What And what about the Grove yeah. breaks that mold? I think for me it's, it's really simple. Um, and it's a part that's often overlooked in clubs that are either under leveraged or, you know, they basically don't have capital reserves to, mm. to say this is how we want to run our club versus this is how a club should be run. So the hmm. owner here is uh, he's a veteran, but also he's got, you know, a couple other businesses that sort of allow him to um, not funnel money, but capitalize a business. Well, if you if you wanted to succeed, you kind of need to do that sometimes. So that's that's really what I think the advantage has been for us. It's the fact that we're, we're free to make our own calls um, and just free to to create an experience that I think people like. And uh, hopefully they keep coming back. I mean, we're in week four now. We've been doing two shows a weekend, Friday and Saturday. Um, and the first six have sold out. I wow, felt like the incredible. first four were sort of given. Okay. To some degree given, right? Like if I'm, I've been doing comedy here long enough and I've been telling people like, hey, this thing is launching. Now, granted, we turned this stage, literally what was a bunch of booths into a stage in about 30 days. That mm. first phone call began. Thirty days later, we had a show. Wow, wow! So it's been it has been a brutal, brutal grind, um, and I don't have the answers yet, and I don't know much either. Okay. <laughs> so I think the uh, the thing is, I've just been a little bit um, fearless in the approach, mm-hmm. unfettered by what my reputational damage might be if we fail. Because mm. I, I honestly don't like. I'm saying embarrassing things. There's more that people can judge me on before they look at this and go, "Hey, like your idea sucked." Right. People tell me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> a woman heckled me the entire show. I did a charity show. George's heckled me the entire time. Came up to me at the end and went, "I just had one piece of feedback for you. Don't wear green on stage." As if everything else she had done hadn't been enough. Wow. Yeah, she's like, "Don't wear green on stage. It doesn't match with your complexion." <laughs> I was just like, "Wow, like that's okay. Thanks." I'll put that on a comment card. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah, I appreciate that. But I think the cool thing is, and we found with even this podcast and yeah. the people we talk to is if you don't try, you don't succeed anyway. Like if you yeah. you, you don't play the game if you don't get off the bench, right? Right. And the yeah. only way you know if something's going to work is if you take the chance, take the risk. It might fail, but it also might go really well. You know? Yeah. And so. that's just, it's just a very, uh, very unique sort of um I don't know, alliance, relationship, because I've got this, my business partner, I guess, uh, business partner is the wrong word. Uh, the owner of this place your, is... Your uh, co-conspirator. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Is a, is a, like, a grizzled white dude who has been in combat operations in West Africa. Like, that's who he is. Wow. And I'm like a bearded brown guy. So on paper, like, people would look at us and be like, you should be worst enemies. Like, this is Fox News' <laughs> like, dream. <laughs> uh, but then, then, as it turns out, you know, um, people like the same things. Like, we both like beer and just jokes and... Uh, business and trying to figure out how all of it functions together yeah it's been an interesting ride 
Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting ride. Because I'm looking at it like, dude, like I'm 26 now um, and getting the opportunity to make make calls that I probably would have put off for a while. Because yeah. I didn't foresee, like I always thought, like it'd be nice to have a comedy club here. I think the time is soon. Um, I didn't foresee it coming up that quick. But I also knew that like Bill's the kind of guy that it doesn't matter if you're involved. It's better if you're involved. You can improve things if you're involved. But if he wants to open a club, he's he's going to open a club. Mm-hmm. It's just the kind of dude he is. Gotcha. Like uh, on Sunday, he also flies a, a small plane. Of course he does. Yeah. So on Sunday, w- he was like, hey, uh, let's go drop the guy to the airport. And I'm like, all right, you want me to drive? You drive in. He's like, uh, I'll drive. Meet me at the Springdale Airport. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I just flew flew out there. It's amazing how fast planes are. Yeah. We got to Tulsa and back in 90 minutes. Holy Which cow. is one way to Tulsa Airport is two hours yeah. in a car. Good. I'm grief. so jealous. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. I'll hit them up next time. So yeah. we'll get back to stuff going on at the Grove. We'd love to hear about how you got into this thing called comedy. Oh, man. So, so accidentally. I was uh, drinking. <laughs> That's the whole story, folks. Mm. No, I, was, uh, I was drinking with a buddy. And we were literally like walking around. This girl bumped into us and she's since moved away. But she's like, uh, we're like, oh, what do you, what's going on? And she's like, well, my boyfriend's running this open mic. So we're like, oh, we'll go see it. Check it out. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I end up on stage somehow. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my buddy signed me up as a prank. Um, and, and so I'm like, I'm, I've had a few and they're like, oh, give it up for your next comic. He's new and he's, he's going to be great. And I'm clapping. I'm like, yeah, go for it. And like, his name's Raj. I was like, yeah, Raj, do it. And then I was like, wait, you're the only brown guy in here. That's you. Like, that's, <laughs> that's me. And then two I got Rajas up and, in here? Yeah. I got up and I did uh, 15 minutes. And I still remember, like, I remember, like, midway through my set, people were taking pictures of me and stuff. And I was like, oh, man, I'm doing well. Like, I'll keep going on whatever joke I was telling them. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything. I was just going on the fly. For 15 minutes. Yeah. That's And wild. so midway through, people were taking pictures. And, and uh, so I kept going. And then finally, I came off stage. And and uh, as it turned out, nobody was taking pictures of me. That was the MC lighting me to get off the stage. <laughs> and he's like, dude, like <laughs> most people get five minutes. I usually let them on for seven. You did 15 up there. Good and I was like wearing tennis shorts. Like I was so unprepared <laughs> for everything that happened. And then I just kept doing it. And mm-hmm. um, the, the real trick, I mean, a lot of people ask me like, oh, like, you know, how do you pursue comedy? I, I don't know a good answer other than to say just work hard. Like, I don't, I would, I don't care if this is controversial. I've got to be somewhere within the top three hardest working comics in the state, at least. Mm. At least. Just off of, like, gig volume, like, the amount of times I got on stage last year, I think, like, 70 of the last 80 weekends I've been on stage. And this is not open mic. I don't count open mic. Right. Dang. Um. It's a lot of work, man. Yeah. Yeah. So 70 in one year. Last year I did 62. 62. In, in 52. So I was aiming to do 52. I got the additional 10. Good grief. So yeah. more than one a week for Yeah, about every year. six days. That's wild. But I built in like a three-week break in the middle. So there were mm-hmm. some weeks where I was doing like four shows a week. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I got to India as well, like I was supposed to be on holiday. But there, the stand-up scene there is doing incredibly well. Really? Exploding. Yeah, so proud of everybody wow. back home. Um and and I loved it. I couldn't resist not trying it out because to me the challenge was let's take this act to as many different places as we could. So it wasn't just um, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Missouri. I also played California, New York, Cleveland, 
India and all these other little things in the in the middle, um, Dallas, just crazy stuff. And it kind of comes full full circle at a certain point when you gig to that volume and and people see um, you're putting the work in. Now we've got the same guys that put me on stage in Dallas about a year and a half ago are gonna be here in like two weeks. Whoa. And they would, I don't think they would have done it other, otherwise. Yeah. But I was like, hey, like, I know you. Like, come up here, do this. And they were like, no. And I was like, well, how about we give you money? And they are like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Damn honestly, price. yeah, it's it's always neat to, to forge those connections. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the real key is just working uh, like a dog until you die. All right. So grim. I also, I also find it really fascinating. You know, people typically think of comedy as, you know, uh, yeah, a typically in the major cities kind yeah, of right. thing, and so the fact that you're you're here and you're you're really grinding for that. This is a major city. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess for our listeners, North mm-hmm. Arkansas is bumping. It's so um, it's killer out here. But also doing stand up in India, which you say is blowing yeah. up. Like, yeah, people just d- don't typically think of comedy that way. Yeah, the first question I usually get about Indian stand up is, uh, what language do you perform in? And Mm. I'm like, our English is better than yours. What are you talking about? Like, you picked up English. We learned it. There's a difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, even more than that, it's, um, you know, like, I just like Indian stand-up because it's at a beautiful point right now where I don't think there's much in the in the way of, like, hard and fast rules about how comics should behave and what, you know, sort of, like, I don't know. There's like a lot of like, I guess, hierarchy and click stuff that happens in America on Mm -hmm. the on the whole. And that doesn't exist in India just yet because it's small. But the incredible thing is people are gravitating towards the art form. So like Russell Peters was our big gun for years. Like we'd look at him and be like, oh, man, there's a brown guy that sounds to Caucasian audiences. He was the biggest thing on earth. Right. Russell's one of those guys I grew up and like like I saw him and I was like, Dude, that would be cool. And until he was there, I didn't envision myself doing it. Mm-hmm. It was a, just an American thing. Right. And he's Canadian. But um, now India is gravitating more towards local or like homegrown comics that are cracking very inside jokes that people, even me living outside of India, I don't get 100% of them because they're pop culture based, they're politically based, and those references are lost on me because I'm not living in that culture right now. Mm. Right. Um, right. But yeah, English is probably the best answer. So most comics will speak English, but then pepper it with Hindi. Mm. So okay. it pays to know both languages, and that's how you can scale it. But the the Indian community is the largest non-home-based community, ethnic community you can find in the world. There's 16 million of us that don't live in India, 4 million in the United States. You so. uh, When I saw you at uh, Bentonville Butcher and Pint. Oh, you, you came to that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you you made a crack at being Indian in a in Bentonville in particular yeah. being in a right white majority. It was uh, what was the joke? Oh, this is the house of Indian sin <laughs> 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 because because you're, there's there's uh, dead cows and uh, brown guy cursing in front of white people. Uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Right, it's a butcher shop. Yeah. That's an interesting conversation in itself. Yeah. Like you talked about living in Northwest Arkansas and trying to make something work. Yeah, you have to be prepared to go into that uh, really off-key environment and succeed with it and find a way. Like it took me years to figure it out and I still don't know if I have it completely figured out. And uh, the, the trick I think is to be unique from uh, the next guy. That's very, very important to me because I just think that, you know, even with comedy clubs, you look at our model, you look at other models, and they're radically different. 
we there's things we don't do that other clubs do um but either way it's about f- manipulating your environment for your crowd and not necessarily just chasing whatever everybody else is doing trying to find a way to do your own version of that it's right. it's trying to figure out how do we rip this apart from the root level and uh try to come up with something new and do something different yeah is that when you say that do you mean like regionally so yeah yes you talk about the indian even more micro than that okay yeah like you've got to figure out how to fit within the pocket and your act will scale when it does but for it to ever scale it has to be good at the very basic Mm -hmm. grassroots level um in in my opinion so how you go about performing again is not a matter of like science or facebook or i don't know it's a mix of everything but really what it is more than anything else is working hard like most people will look at you and go wait where did you i thought you were good why are you performing at a seafood restaurant (laughs) in a landlocked state right like i performed at bluefish right Mm um nice nice venue um good act you have to make it work it's really that simple and audiences i think can tell when you know where you are they're comfortable with that but if you try to pretend that's when they're just like they smell the phoniness a mile Mm. away Mm. yeah very good well, would you say that you, uh, you're talking about just catering, um, not necessarily catering yourself, but just it, it's very regional mm-hmm. in the sense. Um, so have you identified, you know, a difference between Bentonville, Rogers? Oh, yeah. So like what kind of, what kind of crowds are they? Like I do a bunch of jokes up top and usually I'll make fun of like, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll ask for people from Fayetteville and when they put their hands up. I would be like, fuck Fayetteville. Because I don't... <laughs> <laughs> it's just an instant... Like, such an easy joke. I'm like, yo, like, Fayetteville is where dreams go to die, but at least you're better than Bella Vista where people go to die. Like, it's those... <laughs> you know, then it's like ripping on Bella Vista's, like, you know, all these folks that are like, oh, nothing's ever happening. And it's like, yeah, because we do shit after six in the after- evening. Like, Everybody. you're asleep. What do yeah, you want us to, to do? Um, even Rogers. Like, Rogers, Bentville, you got to be cognizant of how many... Like, Rogers, you'll find it toes the line between like being Springdale and wanting to be Bentonville, but wanting their own downtown. Like mm. they're not culturally diverse enough to be Springdale. And they are also not culturally diverse enough to be Bentonville. We, and Springdale has one culture. It's got a very heavy Hispanic population. Bentonville has like Hispanics, but it also has a large Indian population. Um, some Thai, some Vietnamese as well, judging by like the seven Thai restaurants that were out yeah. there. It's just so seven yeah. individual Thai families that just all opened restaurants. I actually yeah. think it's one family. You think it's one family? One family oh, wow. owns Pattaya, uh-huh. and they have Pattaya 1 and Pattaya 2. Okay, And then there's, there's Taste of Thai owned by a different guy, and there's a 1 and 2 there. There's Thai Kitchen, okay. all of these within like a three-mile radius. Yeah, yeah right. There's Thai Kitchen, and then, uh, yeah, so I think that's what we have. Then there's Sidewalk, and and they do Pho, and then there's Miss Saigon, which also does Pho, like uh, Futon, qu- yeah, right next door. yeah, exactly. Like quarter mile from each other. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, how are you guys not killing each other all the time? <laughs> like, you open up shop, the guy opens up next to you and is like, "I'm gonna sell right here." It's what wild. you're selling. But yeah, there's those micro clusters or whatever you want to call micro geographies that you have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. So, how has that talking about there being a diversity of comedic value to draw from these different communities? How have Northwest Arkansas comedians responded to that as a collection of artists? I can't speak to everybody else. Uh-huh. I can only speak to the people that I book on the show. Okay. And even then, like, I'm not looking for them to do that part. 
Okay. Yeah. Like I'm actually looking for them to do the other bits of it. Like I'm I'm the local guy. Like okay. I know what this ground feels like. You need to come in with a solid act. Right. Whatever you're doing, just be solid on stage. So I'm not really looking for them to be aware of this stuff. Like I'll give them pointers. Usually a lot of the time, out of courtesy, I won't headline the bill. Because if I'm setting it up, I don't want to. Yeah. It's a little yeah. self-serving. Mm-hmm. I'll do that a handful of times a year. But generally, like I'm going up before you. So I'll make those digs so you can watch and get a read on what's happening and where they're responding and that kind of thing. I see. Yeah. So who, what names have you had here already? In so our first three weeks, we've had uh, Tim Northern from, he's been on Last Comic Standing, and then Caleb Sinan was here last week, and Caleb's been on Conan and Last Comic as well. And then this coming week, we've got Troy Walker, has been on The Late Late Show. Okay. And uh, we're taking Easter off to pray and be with the Lord. Of course. So good. Absolutely. Not my Lord, but, you know, <laughs> be with the Lord. Um, but right before that, we've got Shane Mouse coming in on uh, April 12th. And he's done Conan like nine times or something like that. Wow. He's done a lot of TV and incredible comic. Mm-hmm. But this this show in particular is a special event. Like he he told me, is like, if you've got a club crowd, don't put me on the same night because this show is a little bit different. It's all about like psychedelics and um, his experience with them. Like he's mixing basically comedy and talking about this stuff. And MAPS, which is like the, the Psychedelics Association nationwide, is is sponsoring his tour okay so it's a very very like niche niche show that will only appeal to a handful of people um in any given community it's not a mass blanket you know invite your friends and family show right. it's like invite your friends that live in eureka springs show <laughs> um, yeah. so that's that's what uh you know he's coming in to do and it's a wednesday night and and it'll be interesting hmm. certainly interesting fascinating and past that too like the count i've got to put the calendar up yet but it's basically when does this come out do you know it's going to be the uh, i believe the 17th Never. april 17th okay <laughs> sorry this, it yeah, depends this on how it goes so the set by the 17th i think uh, so we'll do that so that's right after easter we'll have shane and then after that we've got mike baldwin who is a regional comic but he's won practically like a ton of comedy competitions been so many festivals like the, the guys I've ha- I had him at Butcher and Pine I don't know which show you saw I saw Chris True and Mike Baldwin have, have been there the guy with the beard and the yeah, uh, yeah. glasses that's Chris True mm-hmm. Mike Baldwin came in I think uh, maybe a week before that so he'll be here and after Mike we've got I'm pretty sure we have Maranzio Vance who's been on he's on Lopez like literally right now really yeah <laughs> wow. Lopez season 2 and uh, Maranzio's done everything man great guy do you just connect with these guys when you go play those shows in like California and New York? Is that where you actually Maranzio I met because uh, Blue Whale. So Tulsa has this incredible comedy festival every I think September it is this year, and they bring like sixty incredible co- comedians in, and they've got like a whoever books for them, their booking team has a real knack for picking people right before they break. Mm. Um, so like of like the f- whatever the number that they had last year, I think like 20 or 30 percent of those people went on to get a half hour at Comedy Central or something like that wow. within within a year. Goodness. Um And I'm sure like I don't know if agencies are passing that info into them, but they seem to book. I mean, it's a fun festival. So I met a lot. Of, I opened for Maranzio or I emceed for Maranzio that first year and just got to talking with him. He's a super cool guy. And I was like, dude, like I need to get you out my way. And uh, it just never seemed to happen up until now i still don't know if it'll happen so maranzi if you're listening to this please sign that contract send it back (laughs) (laughs) um but you know he's a busy guy there's a lot of busy folks and we're trying to bring them all in yeah Mm -hmm. good deal 
And so, and when you, I hate to say network. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, do that. That's okay. Yeah. Like there's people I like and people I don't like, but 99% of the time I'm never talking to a comic for the sake of upping my career. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that feels not, slimy if you're doing Yeah. That. And, and they're people, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like I view it as we're part of the same fraternity where the, you know, I've never been in a fraternity and there's no hazing, but, um, <laughs> we're part of the same group and I think it's, it's important to be respectful and be mindful of what you're trying to get out of a person as opposed to trying to give a person. Right. So like if I don't view it as like, Oh, I'm trying to get you on my stage. It's more like I'm trying to give you a choice to come play the South. If you'd like to play the South on a good weekend and, uh, you know, just work with, with your calendar. Cause there's going to be better rooms than us out there. There's more favorable destinations to fly to. Certainly. Um, so for me, it's more, how do we make you comfortable when you're here? Yeah, and I can imagine that given this area, it gives them a new, like, practice. Yeah. You know, you, you get to practice on a different crowd than you normally get. And it's a very different, I'd say it's a super different um, environment than the standard South. This isn't Dallas. Like, you've, mm. got, you've got people who are on the surface left leaning in terms of their style choices and music choices and maybe how they you know where they want to eat and right leaning in terms of belief and business and church so it's a very interesting comics challenge because how do you how do you play to that mm -hmm. how do you make progressive jokes to a conservative crowd and how do you espouse conservative values by all, while also remaining a progressive person mm. most comics tend to be i think left of center right it definitely so, appears that way. It feels yeah. that way. Yeah. So it's it's difficult for sure. There's no easy there's no easy answers and you just learn over time. I gotta ask. Yeah. What what have you tried to pitch to mm. Northwest Arkansas that has not gone over well? I guess besides wearing green on a stage. Uh in terms of joke yeah. joke material? Yeah, you know like you the hard political right jokes, thing. like you know, like just taking shots at Trump is so dated. It's like everybody's doing it. Mm -hmm. You got to find an angle. And when you find an angle, it's got to be different somehow. Like my wall joke, I make like, you know, most comedians are making jokes about walls, especially like uh, my wall joke was that I want it to be built because when they build it, it just means more accounting jobs for Indian people as we figure out how to pay for it. <laughs> so it's like you're taking that same notion, but they don't expect you to take it there. Yeah. Or maybe they do. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, pitch wise, I don't think there's... I don't think there's much they haven't bit on. There's definitely been stuff because I've taken it there. You know, like jokes about the church don't go far. Like mm. my closer that I had for a long time, I still do it occasionally. It's uh, like I tell this long story about fighting between Israel and Palestine and how like in the tunnels people discover like, you know, there's I'm doing I'm butchering this. But basically <laughs> in the fighting between those own two bit. countries. Yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> dense it down, though. In the fighting between those two countries, there's a prison that somehow f falls to the ground. And when I say somehow, I mean someone shot a rocket at it. And in the ruins of it, they found pottery and architecture that had been lost from time underneath it. And all the, all the fragments that they found gave historians an idea of what life was like in biblical times. And they all agreed that people back then are just like people now. They drank, they fought, had lawyers, had friends. They even worked out just like we do because you know how Jesus worked out. He did CrossFit. And then usually I'll wait. <laughs> And then usually I'll wait and I'll f right before I get off, I'll fist bump someone in the audience and yell, nailed it, and then close my set. <laughs> uh, 
So there's definitely been times where I'll, I'll lean out for that fist bump and they won't bump. Yikes. They'll just look at me like, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's so the rough. Lord and Savior. <laughs> don't you, don't you He's dare. two in one. Oh, Don't go there. <laughs> no, really, yeah. But for me, if I'm not going there, it's not fun. Gotcha. Like, if I'm just playing safe, it's, I mean, it's it's good. I mean, a lot of comics find success um, in a certain pocket, and I know where mine is, but I like to get out of there every now mm-hmm. and then. Um, and that's maybe why I felt for a little while now, I felt like it's ki- I kind of got to, you know, um, start hitting the road again and finding those other rooms because I'm not progressing quick enough in in this environment because i know what jokes win and there's always a there's a temptation to go down that route when you're in trouble right as opposed to fighting through it and just going all right well that bit sucked Mm -hmm. Hmm. it's easier to play it safe yeah it's easier to default or autopilot to things you know work right um and that doesn't enable you to write more time it enables you to be good with that same amount of time and it also trains your audience to only accept certain things from you you don't build a following that way you just build people that are clapping at the same bullshit Right, mm. right. How have you um, seen the comedic scene? In Not North that my Western set is, I just realized I call my set bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Please come see a show. Uh, how have you seen the uh, scene of the Northwest Arkansas comedians grow and change in the time that you've been doing what you do? I mean, it's it's flexed. I mean, I've like I've mentioned, I think my... Um, my thoughts on how the business should be run and how shows should be structured are are different. I've always had different ideas about that, mm-hmm. and I've enjoyed the independence that I've gotten from it. The plus side with being able to scale things is that you will get people from out of state that I think, like I one of my one of the people I first started doing comedy with that's really incredible still to me is uh, Shauna Blake. She's out of Tulsa. You might have seen her on that yeah, show. Yeah, really, really well practiced comedian. Um, we're managing to build those opportunities with those sister cities like Tulsa and, you know, north of us and stuff. And it really creates a good camaraderie because we're, you know, you're seeing angles on humor from people that may not necessarily succeed on your stage. So you're watching them in, in the shoes that you want to be in, which is going up against a tough crowd, win them over and watching them do it. That that's such a great lesson for me. Yeah. Um, the other part too is I don't think people look at us as being a place for, or didn't look at us as a place that good shows took place. Mm. And in the last couple of years, hopefully we've been able to not, even if we haven't completely flipped that perception, start to change it. And that's important. Mm. Bentonville film festival, um, you know, is, is so important and it's right here. And I don't know with any degree of certainty what the response might be, but I think that if they added comedic components, it it would work out well for them. Mm. And that's a result of, two three years of, of you know me putting in work here and then other comics joining along for that and uh yeah it's just exciting you know we do open mics and found 12 15 new comedians like the the open mic that i put together was at george's like i'd never done an open mic before that I'd never set my own up my own up and i set it up at george's and these comics came out of nowhere hmm. was that the valentine's day one no this was before or maybe after that okay valentine's was fun too though oh yeah we gotta talk about that one um yeah were you there no oh. i couldn't make it i was on a date that's not true anyway <laughs> but, i don't know where you were yeah but uh we did the open mic and these 10 15 guys and girls are basically going up in front of a packed house on what must be one of the one of the best stages you could play in a, in this area um george's had never attempted comedy before i put the show in there 
uh, I don't personally believe they had a lot of faith in it, which is why they started me off with a Tuesday night. And yes. and we sold we we did the numbers. I mean, you got to work for that. There's no there's no substitute. Mm. Um, you know, so I was out there with you're you're out there like catching yourself, just like, am I really handing flyers out right now? Like, th- is this really what it's? Co-? But it works. Mm. Like giving handbills to people and having a conversation surprisingly brings people to shows when they've had a human interaction they go all right well maybe i'll give that guy a chance Mm -hmm. but anyway fast forward to the open mic we do it and they're playing this amazing stage then we did the one at bentville brewing company and they're playing a full house basically a lot of these comics all they're seeing now is full houses when i started it wasn't necessarily the case now the plus side is and still now you won't always have a full house but the plus side with training with both is an emptier house forces you to really dig for the laugh and a full house gives you a, a read, as it were, on, on what's working. Like, they'll either really hate you or really like you. A uh, fuller house also means that you might get weirdos that are there to heckle you, and that's happened as well. <laughs> as so, it sounds like it yeah. has. Yeah. So those dynamics are always in play, and you just take them, um, you take them for what they're worth and try to do the best you can. Yeah. So how much of a set yeah. ends up being prepared material yeah. and reading the room and improvis- improvisation with what's going on in the room and the dynamic there. Yeah. For me, it's like, I kind of know what my first 10 minutes is. That's where I always want to be comfortable. Cause I want the show to, to work a specific way. There's also a crowd work piece, which can go South quickly if you're not constantly doing it and you're not ready for it and you have to jut back into a joke or something. Mm. Um, and I call back a lot. So like if, if I do a joke that whatever my closer is or whatever, there's jokes later that will call back to that joke yeah, if it hits. Yeah. Um, the hard part now is you ask how much is prepared and how much is on the fly. I'm willing to take, like I'll never have a hard set down. Like I'll know that sort of the 15 jokes I want to do. Right. And then if there's, if there's stuff outside of that that I think might work or a good tangent some of these jokes like have multiple punchlines within them. So if I get to the first third and I feel like it's not working, I can bail. Hmm. Right. Then yeah. So I've got like this bit about why Santa's Indian and it starts off with how stupid it looks when you go back to India and there's a guy uh, asking you what you want for Christmas in a predominantly Hindu country when it's 120 degrees outside and he's got black hair and a white beard and a giant overcoat that he doesn't fill. So that's like, that gets me to part one right. part two is like well really he could be indian because let's look at the job description santa needs to get cheaply priced electronics to white kids around the world in record time so that's part two if it, right right yeah. and part three yeah. is this is usually where it goes a little bit south yeah it's um i don't know many white guys that own a sweatshop but i know a ton of indians that are good at manufacturing logistics and customer service if that do, if, if that doesn't work there, I usually pull away from the joke. Okay. Because the fourth part is because you know what we trap Santa with, cookies and milk, and guess what Indian people are, lactose intolerant and diabetic. So <laughs> there's there's layers to yeah. what I want to do in there, yeah. and I can cut out of the joke if I feel like it's not going to work. And how do you bail? Like I just Do you just steer conversation to another joke? I, I mean, to the next joke, right? Like it's just, right. If I just said, like, uh, if it's just like, I know plenty of Indians that are good at manufacturing customer service and logistics and chances are if you live in bentville you know one too just as or you know even if i was in a different state like i can lean on to some degree the fact that the stereotype allows me to to sort of pop into that Mm -hmm. 
right? Like even if I'm not in Bentville, those are things Indian people are known for. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Something I've always been fascinating with, fascinated with, with comedy, and I think I'm hearing it more and more from comics and people who are trying to excel at this craft is comedy gives a person the ability to speak truth to power sure. and kind of poke at um, poke it offensive or you you're know, allowed the, to get away with more. Yes. Sure. Right? Sure. Like that's what a, a business executive can't say what I'm saying, even if he feels that way. Right. Which right. is why like he can show up and enjoy his dirty martini and just like laugh at it, but he can't say it. What do you, do you think there is value there in what you do? Or do you think that's a reason you do what you do? Uh, to, to some degree. Okay. Yeah. I find it like people have told me like in the aftermath, like, uh, of like the Trump presidency, like, oh, racists are emboldened and you can't, I'm like, they're bold now. What are you talking Emboldened. Like life as an Indian guy is like this from almost birth. Like it's not, you're always aware that you have to behave a little bit different. Like people are watching you and, and paying attention to what you say or don't say. So for me, it's like, I have one of two choices. I can always watch what I say, or I can almost never watch what I say and say what I feel. Mm. Um, so making that second choice for me is, is important. Um, I've got plenty of uh, cousins and folks around that are just like, Hey, you might want to take it easy. Like you do live in the Bible belt where that's the weapon of choice. And I'm like, uh, yeah, yes and no. Like, there's always those guys that are like, Oh, I'll, I'll see you in the parking lot. I'm like, well, I'm right here. Why don't we, you know, like, I don't want to, I get what you're saying. You want to fight me, but I would rather it happen in here because there's other people here that could break it up and you're a lot bigger than I am. So I don't yeah. want to fight you in the lot. It's very smart. You know? Let's just fight in here. Also, there's cars out there. People are driving around. We could both die. You're so practical. Yeah. Let's just have the fight in here. It's well lit. You know. You can see the punches coming. a boxing coming. ring is. Yeah, yeah. There's towels around. I can. There's everything. There's even the stage. You can pop up on the stage. Yeah, and you know what? If it, we'll do it right after. It's only five buck up charge. <laughs> <laughs> we'll both get paid. Man. So you'll always find those guys that are that want to take what. Like, here's the thing. There's a lot of people that are like, "Oh, I like Donald." Like. You know, he said he he says what he thinks, and then I say what I think, and they're like, "We hate you." <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. Did you not prize the same quality in me that you like about him? Mm. So um, I I do enjoy it. I think there's a plus side to getting away with saying those things that not everybody else is going to get to say. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also a very useless. Uh, it's a very it's a very uh, useless thing if you're not going to use it. That's a dumb thing to say. It's so dumb. That it's useless if you don't use it. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Wisdom ain't, ain't that me. the truth, though, you know? No, but really what I'm trying to get at is, like, you do have that power as a comedian. Right. So you might as well take a chance with it. Because how many times in your life are you going to get to say something of actual value that might change an opinion? This isn't Facebook. They're sitting in front of you, right? You get the right to assert what you think. And really, you also get the time to back it up. So, like, my Indian Santa bit, if I just say Santa should be Indian, everyone would be like, yeah, get the hell out of here. But then you back it up with the reasons. And it's kind of funny, but it could make sense. Right. Um, so, yeah, you, you get you have the opportunity to sort of rewrite uh, paradigms. Hmm. Some of them are real tough. Like, here's one thing that people never – I want them to bite on it so bad. But, like, just how stupid the idea of Halloween is. Okay. And I kind of figured out where I'm going, but the idea of Halloween is real dumb. Like you're looking at African kids that are like, we don't have food, but in the United States, we're carving perfectly edible pumpkins for decoration and, 
And people are like, oh, but you could do stuff with the seeds. Yeah, you could, but you don't. You know what you could do with the seeds? Give them to the starving Africans. <laughs> like, that's what you should be doing. But people never bite on that because they're like, oh, it's just a tradition. I'm like, yeah, but it's dumb as fuck. What does a pumpkin have to do with scaring people? The only people that scares are people, like, the the only folks that scares, like, people at, like, you know, like, the, the world food mission that are like, oh, man, like, the world doesn't have enough food, and here you are, like, are you toasting the pumpkin seeds, really? That was the value? <laughs> man, man. But then, yeah, I also, so I figured out how to spin that bit a little bit better, and I was just like, um, Halloween's also dumb because, like, basically all year you tell your kids stranger danger except this one day where you can go up to any stranger take candy from them <laughs> and they're, they'll be wearing a scary mask trying to frighten the shit out of you yeah absolutely yeah it's a dumb idea I gotta hear your take on Trunk or Treat what's Have Trunk you, or Treat you haven't heard of Trunk or Treat well no. oh my gosh well you're on the Bible Belt I'm surprised you haven't heard of it so it's I don't have kids though oh that's or relatives that have kids um, so that's Trunk or Treat um, so a bunch of it's at churches mm -hmm. Bible Belt um, where Halloween is too scary. And so uh, at a church at around, I don't know, 5 o'clock when the sun is still up, a bunch of parents go around, open their trunks in a church parking lot, and that's that's where they trick or treat. And nobody's dressed like a demon. What did they dress as? I don't know, like Abraham, St. Paul. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think there's a, there's, I mean, there's a lot of weirdos out there, you know? So it kind of makes sense. Like, I do want the kids to dress up weird. I think that, like, no, just go trick-or-treating with your kids and accompany them. You know what I mean? When I was a kid, we just did all that shit alone. Like, I have giant bits about my, I grew up in the Middle East, so I had an Arab neighbor that didn't know what Halloween was. And so, like, the first year he gave us money, and then I went and told all my friends. So the second year he gave me loose cigarettes, like, <laughs> got, got mad at me. But that was my Halloween. And, we like, we lived, like, nobody ever got kidnapped, you know. I'm sure crazy shit happened and we just didn't hear about it because we were kids, but I don't know. The world's become a weird place. And now there's like weirdos on Craigslist and trolls and all of that's going on. Uh, trolls? Yeah, there's like Facebook trolls. And there's Oh, okay. Yeah. Real yes, life. there's Kinda real like trolls. Except that trunk or treat where nobody is allowed to dress as one. <laughs> you have to dress as a Christian gentleman. <laughs> so boring. Or Everyone's the same. So I don't know. Yeah. Nobody wants to dress as like a... What's, it, what's the scary thing in the Bible? Philistine? No, nobody's sure. dressing as those. Uh, there's a lot. I don't of know what your regular crowd is like, but they're probably like, <laughs> "Get the hell, get this guy <laughs> off of here, never let him back on." There's uh, a lot of scary shit in the Bible. There's, yeah, yeah, I mean, just I mean, there's just snakes. pull some rapture stuff. Like, uh, just uh, what always stuff. amazes me is like how people will expect you almost to know about Christianity, like know the fundamental basics of Christianity. But the moment you introduce like concepts of your religion. It's like, ah, we don't, we don't talk about that. We, we haven't done our homework, and so we, yeah. or we don't even care to understand. And you guys in America, they have the separation of church and state, but, like, overseas, we don't have that. Like, we have teach the kids everything. Teach them all religions a little bit at a time, yeah. and then let them choose what they like. Hmm. Versus, like, you know, and, like, that's the crazy thing to me. Like, Islamic parents are cool with that. Hindu parents are fine with that. Christian parents here has become, like, a big... Um, and I just wish everybody was just more open to learning a little more about each other rather than prejudging the stuff. Yeah. And yeah. I know that saying that might, you know, alienate an entire audience base for me, you know, but I highly doubt 
you would like my set anyway. <laughs> so I'm willing to go there and say peace, happiness, and, and love, and uh, mutual cooperation is the right way forward. Right. How, how'd you like that? Very PC. That was, that was oh, man, very that's PC. a sound bite. Yeah. Quite a sound bite. <laughs> we'll just throw that at the front of here and mm-hmm. uh, see if anybody just turns it off immediately. <laughs> Probably will. <laughs> Anybody out there that's a fan of the NRA is not going to like me. Well, welcome to Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, how many... Yeah. yeah, never mind. Yeah. We, we don't even have to go there. Yeah, Peyton, <laughs> Peyton, you're not a comedian, so you can't actually. Yeah, say you can't anything, say really. serious things. Yeah, you can't be offensive. No, uh, that's I'm very important. Never serious, so it's kind of a terrible habit of mine. Um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. Yeah, um, I'd love to hear about uh, your hopes for the future. I know. Yeah, I know. You say you know you don't know what you're doing a lot, and you don't know what's in the future. Yeah. but my, my what's your dream? My my dream is um, that. Honestly, uh, comedically in this area, I'd like to see larger acts. And now we're playing part of a role in that. But Arkansas is not a stopping destination for a lot of people. At least this part of it isn't. They go to Little Rock. They'll go to Tulsa. They'll do other, you know, big cities in those states. But we're not seen that way. Um, We have the demographics to deliver on it, but not a population size. Right? We have zero skyscrapers. We don't have that many people. We're in the top 100 MSA now. So that basically makes us a market worth looking at. And it takes forever to build credibility with people and say, come play my room. But as soon as you get that first two or three or four people that come do it and they have a good time and they tell other people, it makes a big difference. It makes a huge difference. Um, so my hope is that we're able to sustain this thing. And personally, I would like for it to sustain itself without me here. Hmm. That's the aim. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't want to... Someone said... Um, some real smart that uh, wise men plant trees whose shade they will never see. And I'd really like to be a wise man. So I'm trying to, <laughs> so vain. Um, but yeah, really that's it. I mean, there's, there's young comics out there that have a tremendous amount of talent and potential. But every time we talk about comedy, I, it's not like, I'm not talking about how to structure the joke. I'm talking about how much do you, like how much of a stomach punch can you take? Because that's what this is. If you want money and fame and people to show up, then you're in the wrong business. And just because the first open mic you did at George's or you know the open mics that are here that have been built for years by people that have worked on them for a while or doing well does not mean that that's what you should expect. It's what you should train to deliver for yourself. Hmm. right? Because what ha- the day I'm gone, what happens? Suddenly you have no marketing plan. You don't know what you're doing on Facebook. You're, you're tailing, if you're tailing me as a... As a as a youngster or whatever out here, that's not a great plan because I don't look, I don't look up the chain and go, oh, I want to write jokes that sound exactly like X's jokes or I want to, you know, mimic this person. It's, I'd really like to be myself um, and do things my way. And that's kind of what I, I, I want for the young comics on the scene to develop for themselves is let's, let's go there. Let's get it. And while I'm here, yeah, hell yeah, let's work together. Let's create incredible things. But the moment it feels like there's other people that can handle that weight, it's that's when I can truly be free to go, all right, I want to hit the road a little more again. Mm. So that's that's the hope, man. And really, even above that, Arkansas, for as much as it whines about, oh, we don't have enough here to do, when it shows up, support it. I'm not saying support local comedy because I really hate those three words. Like so When people say like support local comedy... No, don't support just shit just because it's on your block. That doesn't make sense. Supportive is good and help it get good. Mm. 
But if after a while of you supporting it, it's not getting there. Yeah, move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Darwinist about this stuff. Take your patronage somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, and in some regards, like that's a valuable lesson for the comedian as well, mm. right? Like the number of guys that can't make their their act sell, and then only to change their act and find phenomenal success. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful message that you're sending this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it. I discussed this on another podcast as well, where I said like comics are very defensive all uh, a lot of the time. Not all comics, but a lot of comics. And I'm the kind of guy that when that lady said, like, don't wear green on stage, instead of yelling at her, I was just like, all right, thanks. I'll keep that in mind. As it turns out, a couple other people had also thought that. Because when I told my friends, like, she said this, they're like, yeah, but you always wear green on stage. I'm like, yeah, because I love how it goes with my complexion. They're like, it doesn't go with your complexion. (laughs) So So you're growing as a person with this feedback. Wow. Yeah, and it, you know, it's coming from a person you don't really want to listen to at Absolutely all because she's been talking throughout your show and yep. she's sitting up front and she's talking to her girlfriends the whole time and you're trying to do a charity show for 300 people in front of you. Mm-hmm. That's the hard, that was Valentine's Day for me. Ah. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. That was Valentine's Day at George's. Gotcha. It's rough. What has been but your best experience in Northwest Arkansas? Show-wise? Show or this whole experience doing comedy. Maybe show-wise, but mm-hmm. um Show, I mean, it's a. This was at a place called the Big Chill. I don't even know if you remember, but it's where Hello Ninja Sushi is now. And those shows were great, man. We were doing like 180 people uh, once a month. Phenomenal numbers mm. of, of folks would come see this show, and I loved it. Like I really did. I loved being there. I thought it was great. Um, and and honestly, for me, like the most fun that I have is usually on the road. Shauna usually comes with me yeah. and I just rip on her like the whole time. <laughs> like her and I trade shots a lot. Like I stole her phone and Snapchat it all weekend. Um, and she was making fun of me as well, but she's like the, she's a real cool person to have in the green room. Cause I'm like, I'm before I get up on stage, I know my heart rate's like really, really high. And so I need, I have to get that out. And then Shauna's there. I'm like, hey, are you going to write a new joke? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's only been three years, and then I just make fun of her. Oh, that's crazy. Karen Kilgariff was just on that TV. Was she? Yeah, literally like one second ago. So she was she was in Salem Springs. Yes. And I was sitting at Black Apple Crossing uh, yeah. the other day, and these uh, girls walk up to the table next to me and kind of like make eye contact with each other. Yeah. Kind of sly. And uh, one of them says to the other, "You were doing good." I was doing really. Good. I mean, I wasn't in that exchange. Oh, you weren't. No, eye no, 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 yeah. not at all. <laughs> um, they may eye, eye contact with each other, and uh-huh. one of them says to the other, "Stay sexy, don't get murdered." Huh? Which is from? Yeah, that's from her podcast. From her podcast, and I said, "Excuse me." And I said, "You guys are talking about my favorite murder," and they're like, "Yeah, we're having a meetup here with mm-hmm. all these people who listen to this podcast." And one of them had been at that. Laura Roland, probably. Maybe she may have been there. Is she the woman that was like not heckling us, but saying things? I don't know. I don't know. I kind of just was like, hey, I'm going to come sit with you guys and tell you about how I grew up in West Memphis and Mm. all those kids got murdered. Yeah. So. And Karen's so cool, man. The coolest person ever. Like Julian and I now, like it's so. So here's the crazy thing. So that that was Julian's podcast. Julian loves music. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Um but it was, a, it was his podcast, and Julian was the first comic I ever saw live, period. Okay. Saw him like seven, eight years ago. I was interning in the city in New York, and um, he was the warm-up comic on the Colbert Report. So before S- Stephen does the show, uh, 
they'll have a warm-up comic sort of do question like you know a little bit of crowd work and then Stephen Colbert comes out he does some question and answer and then he does the show which the only part they film is the show but yeah so Julian was like oh who came from furthest away and like some guy was like Rhode Island and some other guy was like uh like Guatemala and then I put my hand up but he never picked me out and I'd come from India at the time and so we fast forward a couple years and like I got to tell him in person like I came from the first way to to be here but it was to be here in a very different way it wasn't just to come watch him it was now I'm your I'm your feature tonight like I'm going up right before you and this oh, guy yeah. hands down like for so many reasons not just a, a, like an awesome comedian but a cool person mm-hmm. um watched my whole set broke it down for me for like three hours and this was a year ago broke it down for me for like three hours we sat there we're drinking beer he's telling me all these things about like this is what you could change and i don't know what like it was amazing to me because like that year after that i incorporated so much of the advice that he gave me and it's led to a lot of the like you know you don't just go out the blue and land 62 gigs someone has to hire you like that's what yeah (laughs) yeah but it was those little changes, man. And then, you know, he said he was coming back for Blue Whale. So I hung out with him there. And now he's like, I'm coming back from the for the podcast. And I got to do his podcast. Yeah. Sweet. And I think he'll be here as well. So That'd be sweet. So, yeah, it went from a situation where you idolize somebody and now you're booking them and working with them. And that, to me, is wow. is incredible. That's the dream, right? Yeah. Julian, if you're listening, I love you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's listening. Yeah. Who, who are some other comics or... Um, names in general that yeah. you have idolized. Uh, Chris Chris Rock's top of my list. Really has been for a long time. What well, about he's him? coming to Tulsa? Um, and I got to write an article about him for for a magazine out there, which I was I was ecstatic about doing it. Mm-hmm. Like no one is ever ecstatic about writing a thousand words, but I was pretty happy. <laughs> um, Chris was Chris Rock was the first guy. Like when do you guys remember when like LimeWire was a big thing? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So like that one of the first things that you could ever watch illegally in terms of comedy was that because i lived in the era of dial-up right so your internet wasn't fast enough to watch youtube mm-hmm. so you have to download the whole thing and watch it and i watch this i watch i don't kill the messenger like backwards <laughs> um bigger and blacker was a great spe- i mean all the specials that i've seen him do are just insanely good for for how young he was and how good he was at what he did phenomenal he has complete control of that crowd mm. um and really, like, just his style, him being, again, it's it's that first introduction to uh, an art form that forms a lot of what you're doing. Um, but I really like him. I really like Bill Burr. I really like, uh, I've, I've liked Russell Peters for a long time. Just because as an Indian comic, it's neat to see. Yeah. It's neat for me to see Aziz go sell out Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, like, only eight comics have ever sold it out. And two of them happen to be brown. Which, how insane is that? Aziz is great. Russell is great as well, but he went the opposite way in, in terms of what he's presenting to audiences, right? Like, he's the first person to do the Indian accents, manipulate those stereotypes, and play into that. Now, Indian comics don't do that very much anymore because the perception of who we are is different. Um, how we perceive, our, perceive ourselves is also different. We, by and large, people don't get the Indian accent right, and its understanding is based on, like, Apu from The Simpsons who wasn't played by an Indian guy. Like, Apu was played by some white dude. So, you know, I look at that, I'm like, that's that's where the paradigm's shifting a little bit. You see guys like Bill, who are masters of being not just contrarian, but actually able to flip your opinion, mm. right? So, like, Russell will follow that channel 
with your opinion and show you different things you hadn't thought about before. Bill's the guy that takes the thing you love most that you are 100% sure of and finds a way to convince you that he's right. That's what I love about both these guys. They're they're so supremely capable of manipulating the energy in the room and really winning you over. Gosh, Um, it's fascinating how comedy is like a form of argument or persuasion. Yeah. Almost. It's really about finding common ground and connecting or not connecting. Right. It's a lot like storytelling in a way where if you can, something that we've found um, and listened to a lot about is the way story can really shape someone's understanding of a situation. And if you can put people in front of um, people with different stories than them and get them to empathize, you can change people's minds just on the merit that I now have a face to connect like legislation with, or I have a face to connect my whatever, like my stereotypes with, and some of this helps affect and change you know, the perception of people. Yeah, I mean, if you... Okay, so if you look at, like, Chris Rock's Kill the Messenger, mm-hmm. the the number of shots he takes at McCain and how supportive he is of Obama, now, that's now that's something that will shift some people. Right. It will shift some people. It's probably going to motivate people who hadn't really thought about voting but were kind of left-leaning into that bucket, right? Into right. the Democrat bucket. But by and large, those stories that come from a personal place, like I, if I look at the, the list of comics that I like, they're not really storytellers. They're joke tellers, and they have stories from time to time. But like Kevin Hart's a guy that tells stories almost, you know, for a big chunk of his set. Yes, right? yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Like I struggle with with that because it's a, a just as a person that's lived overseas, it makes it difficult for me to always relate because if they're usually American comics, they're going to have very America-based stories that are going to call for a lexicon that I don't possess. Hmm. Didn't grow up in this country, so it just means that I'm going to not be able to relate. Like, even back then, I was, I was watching, like, you know, Chris Rock's bit about, like, Johnny Cochran, O.J. Simpson, Kobe Bryant, and I couldn't relate to it because I didn't know the pop culture dynamics right, until right. later, at which point I got hilarious but <laughs> yeah I, I agree with you like you can affect change um as a comic but not to the degree of severity that people are giving it now like people are looking at comedians like oh like why would you say such a thing when the reality is the only reason i'm here is to say things i'm not here to play an instrument or do anything else yep. other than say things yeah um but i don't know it's it's a weird art form it's the most judged art form i've ever encountered yeah, because it's simultaneously accessible to everybody. Right. Where the visual arts are not as accessible. For I, I mean, I get, like, here's a, th- sometimes I look at a piece of art where the guy's like like a Jackson Pollock or whatever, the guy's just splattered some paint on a thing, yeah, and I'll go, yeah. oh, I could do that. But that's also what people say about stand-up. They see me doing it or whoever else doing it and go, yeah, I could do better. But until you're doing it, your opinion is invalid. Right. Until you've done yeah. it. So the Jackson Pollock, though, in my mind, is yeah. the message it's presenting is way more obscured than the message a comedian presents. Yeah, it's not. Oh, comics aren't open to interpretation. In fact, I think if you are, it's you may not be doing something right. Okay. Because you're, you're trying to give them your version of you of course it's flexible people can take it the way they want it to but generally there's not much ambiguity when you're telling a joke you don't want it to be muddy or confused because then you're losing them like you have to be 
crystal clear about why you're right or why you're not sure, whatever that emotion is that you're conveying, it has to have clarity to yeah, it. Yeah. Um, whereas painting or whatever, you can, you can kind of do it, walk away from it, and let people take their own meaning from it, unless to the side of it you have an explanation of what this piece is. Right, right. Gotcha. So, yeah. But anyway... I feel like I've I've talked a lot and not given you guys a chance to speak. No, no good, this man. is this is all about you, man. This is an interview. That's how these yeah, things so go. Come on. It's what a terrible thing for people to have to listen to. I, well, I hope your crowd has enjoyed me and my wild musings oh, and just the too. crazy things I've said. And uh, hopefully, if you guys are listening, um, share this with your friends. But come watch me live. Yeah. I don't know when I'm on stage next. I'm yeah. sh- I should be off stage. Like right now, I'm trying to figure out when i'm gonna go record like a live album hopefully within the next six weeks or so and it's so nerve-wracking man yeah because i want to put forward the best material i have Mm -hmm. and the worst fear you can have is like after three years you put together your best material and people are like oh that was whack (laughs) 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 what garbage this what he came up with after three yeah (laughs) well let's talk about that really briefly how can people support what you're doing and keep up with what you're doing and what you're doing here at the grove yeah, sure. Um, so if you'd like to follow my page, it's just Raj Suresh, S-U-R-E-S-H, on Facebook. Um, or it's like all my handles. It's facebook.com slash Raj Does Comedy. Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, it's all at Raj Does Comedy. My website is rajdoescomedy.com. <laughs> my email, no, you don't need that. Um, so those are some things I'm doing. Uh, and then if you want to come see what's happening at The Grove, uh, you can check us out on Facebook. It's just The Grove. Or you can uh, look at our lineup that's coming up at grovecomedy.com. Good deal. Is yeah. there anything else you want to plug? Yeah, I'll be hopefully uh, in the next month, month and a half. My my own podcast, The Comedians, uh, the Comedians Podcast. That's it. You <laughs> got it. it's called. The Cowboys and Indians Podcast will be up and out there on iTunes. So yeah, man. All of that stuff will be on my page. And uh, if you guys see me in person and you know me from this, please come tell me what you thought i will take all your feedback seriously unless it's about a goddamn green shirt (laughs) stop wearing green man come on get out of here excellent but yeah uh for our listeners you you better believe you're gonna hear stuff from raj in the future you know obviously raj you're hardworking and you're putting in that work and that's exactly what you yeah what you defined like success as a comedian being thanks man uh, see that's the thing you just heard in the future from when he said it three seconds ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah unless something you know between now and the release happens i don't know right but uh, deleted (laughs) um but yeah uh really appreciate you guys dropping by the grove and uh hopefully the beer was good i i guess my water was excellent water was excellent Hopefully the lime was of the right pH value. It mm-hmm. was. Oh. Is that a lime or a lemon? Oh, I mean, it's a lemon. I'm an idiot. <laughs> That's a tinge of green. <laughs> it's just not. It's both. We decided lemon you can lime, whatever you look like. GMOs, man. Yeah, crazy. Cool but, deal. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, guys. It was a pleasure being on your podcast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Man. What a good interview. Such that a we, good interview. We just did it. We just did that. It was a very good Five one. Five seconds ago. Raj is chilling in the back. He actually left to go hang out with friends, and we're still sitting in the grove. Good thing we're each other's friends. Sure. (laughs) We have friends. Sometimes. Actually, we're not at the grove anymore. We're sitting in Peyton's living room Otherwise known as the studio. Otherwise known as the studio. Um, But yeah, if you guys are interested in some upcoming events that Raj is doing at the grove, um, or not even Raj is doing, but... 
events that the Grove is hosting. Yeah. Peyton's about to give you those deets. Yeah. So we have a couple of events. So again, yeah, at the Grove. So Raj is really good about getting uh, people who aren't, um, you know, aren't him. He's like trying to build a scene here, um, which is super neat and appreciated. With some pretty big names too. Yeah. So, well, okay. Speaking of big names on the 28th, uh, the Grove is having um, in Amberson and a, wow, I mispronounced that (laughs) Abramson. Um, And he's been on Conan. And that's April 28th. That is April 28th. Um, Also before then, um, this yeah, this upcoming week, um, the twenty first and twenty second, there's Mike Baldwin, and uh, he has actually been through town before, and he actually like packed out a house, so he's worth listening to. People enjoy his stuff. Um, I'm sure Raj will be there to at least, you know, watch. And so, um, you know, if you see though, if you see him, say hey. I don't know. Yeah, he's a pretty laid back guy. He is super nice. Um, also. While we're talking about future events, um, Zach and I were like, hey, why don't we actually say who's on the podcast next? It's not like it's a secret. Sure. So we've got uh, the Friends of Little Sugar Creek up next week. And so they're a group that is um, trying to free this uh, dammed up Sugar Creek um, that is in Bella Vista. And they've been working hard at that and trying to get um, some legislation passed and um, actually legislation blocked. And... um, yeah, they've got they've got some good stuff going, and it's fairly educational. We're really excited to release it, um, but also um, they're just cool guys. Yeah, they were really fun to sit down and talk with. We'll get to that next week, but that's a little teaser for what's coming up in the future. Also, it's going to be the one podcast that we say "damn" the most, and none of it is a swear. Fascinating, accurate, fascinating, accurate. So, guys, thanks for listening this week. If you want to keep up with us, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash heyheynwa. You can find us on Instagram at Podcast. If you want to support us, you can rate us, review us, share us on iTunes um, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you have some extra cash sitting around and you want to support your favorite local podcast, because you know we are, um, you can patronage patronize us at patreon.com forward slash hey hey nwa um and if you want to come hang out with peyton and i uh for the next couple of weeks we're going to be hosting trivia at bike rack brewery on a street in bentonville their old location specifically yeah not the new one um the og location mm-hmm. um we'll be there hosting uh, trivia. So if you guys are interested in that sort of thing, get a team together and come hang out with us. It's going to be some beautiful weather and some excellent trivia. Yeah. We come up with the dopest questions. Also really entertaining to watch, I guess. I don't know. That's what, that's what I was told last time. Do your homework. Peyton's uh he's a hard. I really like biology questions and physics questions. Cause I studied physics and biology is something that randomly sticks in my brain. So I don't know. Do your homework kids. Do your homework. Alrighty. We will see you guys next week with another interview. Thanks for hanging out. (gasps) And that's the jam. Mm